0: Hey everybody, what's going on? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Real Sports presented by Thunderblogsports.com. It is myself and Emily Anderson breaking down episodes 5 and 6 of The Last Dance, the 30 for 30 Jordan doc that everybody is talking about. This one was a lot of fun. The dream team, some gambling, a competition problem. Michael Jordan has never been more raw and we... Cannot wait to hear what you guys think. Let us know in the show notes. Tweet at us at ThunderBLG. Join our Facebook group, the Bullpen Cart Podcast. Search it, be a part of the conversation. And as always, make sure that you like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Search the Bullpen Cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a nice five star review. We will give you a shout out on the show. But enjoy this week's episode, we'll be back later this week with some baseball talk, and here we go. Welcome to this episode of Real Sports, presented by Thunderblogsports.com, a part of the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-man, Jordy Cannell. Joining me, as always, is my wonderful fiance, the lovely Emily Anderson. How are you? I'm good. That is good to hear.
1: Drinking tequila. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Yes,
0: in honor of Cinco de Mayo, you made us some wonderful tequila cocktails.
1: Yes. Fresh squeezed lime juice It got all up in the little cuts on my hands.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the, wonderful.
1: The dry skin from washing my hands and the lime juice were not friends. I could
0: imagine. Yes. Yes. But we are here, episodes five and six of The Last Dance dropped Sunday. We're recording this Tuesday. Emily, what were your thoughts walking away from the third set of episodes?
1: Um, I enjoyed them more on the second watch, but it's probably not my favorite batch of episodes. Mm-hmm. I, I did at one point was like, I'm bored a little. Okay. But that doesn't mean that they were bad. I just think I was like a little distracted on Sunday. But I enjoyed them more when I rewatched today.
0: Okay. Do you want to expand on why you found that? Like, is it your is it your least favorite? Is it middle? Where... It's probably
1: my least favorite set. But like, I don't ever want to say that they're like bad. Like, sure. And I'm still looking forward to next Sunday. It's not like I'm not going to I'm going to stop watching. And like, I learned stuff. But I don't know.
0: Okay. Well, I'm sure we'll dive into it. Just I'm sure. Like you'll... a gut
1: feeling, if you will. Hey, you got to go with your gut. Yeah.
0: But I'm sure we'll dive into it more as we go into this. Episodes 5 and 6. Episode 5 really diving into uh, you know more of the allure of Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. probably the best way to put it. And the, and the Dream Team. We, we saw that in the previews. Uh, and then we get into episode 6 and uh, some of the controversy. We can put it that way. Uh, which we will talk about. That's probably going to lead into some of our theories yeah. for 7 and 8. But let's start with episode 5.
1: Yeah, so episode five starts, first thing, starts with a dedication to Kobe. And I missed it on Sunday when we watched. Mm -hmm. So when I saw it on my rewatch, like, and so I think then I was, like, kind of jarred seeing him right away in the episode. I think if I had, like, been paying attention and seen the dedication, I would have then expected him to, like, show up in the episode, but I wasn't expecting it, so I found it very jarring. Um... Not in a bad way, just, like, in a kind of emotional way. Sure. Um, But then I, I saw it when I rewatched it, and I just thought that was very nice that that's how it opened, and it opens with that um, 98, right? 98 All-Star 98 Game? 98 All-Star
0: Game, yeah. Yeah, where, what, Kobe was what? 18? 19? Uh, well, he got drafted in 96. Twenty so this is
1: nineteen
0: twenty. So it's his second year in the NBA. So 20, 20. basically. Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of crazy, because then they show him... They show him, obviously, in 98, but then he really gets his, his confessionals, mm-hmm. his time on the screen, and he opens up about his relationship with Michael Jordan, because, and this is something that I think everybody talked about when Kobe passed away, was, you know, kind of that, he was the bridge between MJ and LeBron, and so often is it, is, you know, are MJ and LeBron compared, and there's the Kobe stance, who, it's Kobe or bust for them, and, I think you know especially given the passing of him it shows you know they they I think we're a little more right than we're giving them credit for of that MJ versus LeBron and where Kobe ranks mm-hmm. in, in the pantheon of NBA careers but getting to peel back the the onion and see inside the curtain of MJ and Kobe's friendship was really interesting cuz so often you hear about Kobe and LeBron Of that, they were in different conferences, so they never really played each other aside from the two games a year. And here it just seemed the exact opposite, even though they were always East and West.
1: Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when Kobe passed and it was like announced that Michael was going to speak at his funeral, did I don't even think people at that or his his memorial. Sure. Um, I don't even think people at that time like, knew how close they were. Like, I remember reading people being, like, they weren't even close. Like, why is he speaking? Is it just because, like, the previous best basketball player, like, like, talking about, like, the guy that, you know, kind of took over for him, but there was no, like, emotional thread there. And then, now with this documentary, and there's a great article by Ramona Shelburne on ESPN that, um, maybe you can link in the show notes if you want, um... Like, that really, like you said, peels back the layers of this friendship, and they really did look at each other as, like, a big brother and little brother.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Where Kobe did, like, kind of, like, was almost like a hanger-on to Michael, but, like, in the best little brother kind of way, where sure. it's like, oh, this is my little brother, he's coming with us, like, he's a little annoying, but he's still coming.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. And there's a lot of really great anecdotes in that story about how, like, when Kobe would be playing and Michael was always the last one out of the locker room and Kobe would wait for him outside the locker room and the late Kobe was a rookie and the Lakers bus would be like waiting for him but he didn't care like he just wanted to talk to Michael and as soon as he came out of the locker room Kobe would like start asking him about like post-ups and the triangle and like anything and I think that Michael really it seems really like I don't know what the word like what's the word for like saw he saw something in him, he saw a yeah. bit of himself in him himself reflected in this like younger player, and so he really he was fine to give this kid advice, and it also says that like many people like wanted to be the mentored by Michael Jordan, but once they saw how much work it really took for to be to be Michael, they were done, but Kobe was never done, he yeah. always wanted to do more work
0: and that's a really interesting point, because you know, obviously Mamba mentality was Kobe's big thing, and that was such a lasting part of his of his legacy of of how competitive Kobe was. obviously Michael was still is. We see a lot of it in episode six of all of this, but that was a big part of kobe and and to know that that's kind of where they were they found this kindred spirit connection between mm-hmm. the two of them. It really is that interesting, and I just thought it was awesome to include him. I'm glad that you know, in the, in the, the, I don't want to say clown car because there's a lot of respectable people that come out, especially in in episode five. But out of ever you know, out of the wide variety of people that come out to talk in this documentary, and not just in episode five, that Kobe Bryant gets to be the one to to reintroduce us back into the fold mm-hmm. in, in week three, if you will. Yeah. But yeah, you mentioned that you found in the article that Kobe also commissioned Michael Jordan, or that uh, uh, film crew like Michael Jordan Yeah, did. when he
1: learned that Michael did, he's like, I'll do that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, it, it, it's really worth noting, like Michael Jordan only released this when he wanted to. Kobe immediately started a production company, he won an Oscar, it's all talked about that. Mm-hmm. So like, that's might be one of the bigger what ifs of like if Kobe never dies like does this come out in 2022 like is it and like who does Kobe work with does he do it strictly on his own and release it independently does he go through ESPN and make it the next you know OJ doc Jordan doc Kobe doc like how does that all go mm-hmm. Um and it would have been and two I mean a lot of this is talking about how Michael Jordan had final say in this and some people are complaining about it you know, there's Ken Burns coming out and being like, it's not a real documentary and this sort of stuff. And, and you know, it would have been funny to see a documentary produced, not just Final Cut, but produced by someone. So whenever that does come out, there, you know, it's going to be really sad. I mean, it was yeah. tear-jerking Sunday just night. to see him. Yeah, just to see him and hear his voice. But that's something to you know look forward to.
1: Yeah, and it will be so interesting because I feel like for Kobe's last season, the whole season you knew it was Kobe's last season, where here there's like a running through line of them being like, Michael, is this your last one? I don't know, is it? Like so this the tr the like pomp and circumstance around Kobe's last season was so much greater. I mean, there was a little bit here and there, like with Jordan, like we'll get into this last game at the garden. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's very different last yeah. season wise.
0: Yeah, so the the ninety eight All Star game, they touted it as Like, it's obviously his last All-Star game. But I, you know, going into seeing that, I didn't know the 98-bowl schedule. So I thought, like, oh, is it, like, do they already play at the Knicks? Like, is this his last game there? And obviously he ends up playing again. Mm -hmm. But the way, the pomp and circumstance around Michael Jordan winning the All-Star game MVP and David Stern saying, I'll only give it to him if he says he'll do it again next year and all this stuff, which was supposed to be in Philadelphia. lockout pushed it to 2001. I was very sad as a Mm -hmm. child. Um, but, you know, it's interesting to see how it all comes out, and this is where we start getting the splitting timeline, which some people have been not a fan of. I think we've talked about that it's, it's interesting to podcast about it, of chronological order and how it's presented, but I've liked how it's been presented in this. It's jumped back and forth, because there is one solid through line of a theme for yeah. every episode, and even as it goes back and forth of, why are they making the time skip at this exact moment? Um, well, they talk about the Jordan 1s that he's going to wear in this final game later on in March
1: mm-hmm. of
0: 1990, uh, 1998. And they jump back to all the way when he gets drafted. And he immediately, you know, they want to sign him to a shoe deal. He has this agent who previously had represented athletes of individual sports. In tennis. Which, and- tennis, golf, boxing. Uh, and they showed that awkward Converse commercial <laughs> where Magic Johnson's trying to do his best Super Bowl shuffle, and then Larry Bird is not even <laughs> trying to rap. He's just like, look what it did for me. I won the MVP. Yeah. Like, uh, which I caught that when I was making another cup of coffee when you were watching that, and it's even funnier the second time. <laughs> um, and, you know, But this was a huge... This was a huge inflection point just on how endorsements worked in sports history of Michael Jordan ending up with Nike and how yeah. he went through this process.
1: And this is such a crazy story, like, not, I mean, it's a crazy story, but it's just such an, I I personally feel like it's such an important part of his story. Like, we even talked about it in our first episode. I was like, are we going to get a whole Nike episode? Because, like, yep. we ended up, like, doing this, like, deep dive into what schools were jordan brand because it's just it's so big like the jordan nike symbi- symbiotic relationship is just so, so big and like such a huge thing in like athletic yeah. apparel that i i think it's interesting
0: and no certainly and it's gonna be really fun to see what ends up happening with uh if if you're
1: like, we'll get Space Jam in this. That was
0: yeah. I think so. It's going <laughs> to be sorry. No, 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 and that and that's fair to ask of where where we're going with everything in the documentary, because there's definitely going to be something in terms of him retiring, coming back, winning on Father's Day, the production of Space Jam. Like this, all happens within that you know, three year period. Yeah. Obviously, after '93 when he retires. And then going through that full season out, and then he comes back in '95. But you no, know, I think Space Jam comes out later that year because they have the footage of him talking to Bill Murray at the end of Space Jam, if I'm remembering it correctly. But that's a really good question. I'm sure we're going to get at least some part of it. Um, yeah, but so he, the agent takes him to Adidas and they can't make a shoe deal work because they're basically broke.
1: Yeah, and he wanted Adidas, but yeah, like, and he they wanted just, like, Adidas didn't have a good basketball shoe either. Which is either. crazy
0: to think about of where Adidas is now, both in terms of basketball players and just like, even when we were kids of the, the resurgence that it had, and that would be really interesting to research it. As well, of, like, what ended up making it happen was a U.S. soccer kind of taking off and then having such a big thing with soccer. And but,
1: like, do you think they kick themselves every oh, a- day that they couldn't just, like, make it happen? Oh,
0: a thousand percent. <laughs> There's, like, a billion of those types of stories. Like, the rights to Star Wars and yeah. stuff like that. Like, Fox, I think, could have bought it for, like, pennies on the dollar of what it was worth in 1977. And, like, if Fox owned it, that's yeah. a, that's a huge what if of Disney never ends up owning it. And what ends up happening? How many... We won't see any Star Wars commercials during episodes five and six of The Last Dance yeah. that aired on May the third. Mm.
1: Yeah, isn't there also like a shoe story? Like Steph Curry went to Nike and they used a PowerPoint with another athlete's name. Like it was like, yeah. oh, welcome.
0: Yeah, Kevin that's exactly Durant. what it was. And um, then he
1: went to Undarm. Or Not that like the Curry. I think aren't it was Nike.
0: Was it Adidas or Nike? That I'm did not. That. It's sure. one or the other. Uh, I thought of that. I also thought there's an Entourage episode where. That, where Vince goes to a bunch of different agencies and they keep prefer, they keep doing the same exact ad. Mm-hmm. And then showing, like, Nike welcomes the Jordan family, which I'm sure in 1984 was relatively innovative because we haven't seen everything yet. And, yeah. like, media isn't to nearly the level that it's at. You know, 24-hour news cycle and everything of how you know, the sale is happening.
1: And also welcoming the whole family and not just him. I feel like that actually goes a long way. Well,
0: that ends up being what... what tips the scale Michael Jordan did not want anything to do with
1: that. He didn't that even kid, want to go, and his parents made Which it. is
0: wild, which again, it's wild to think about just knowing all of that. Yeah. Um, but it's his dad, ultimately, which I didn't know how Episodes 5 and 6 were going to go, because next, it's obvious that Episode 7 is going to deal with his dad's murder mm-hmm. and him retiring and all that stuff, but I thought maybe that was a tie-in between the start of 5 and the end of 6. That being said, his dad ends up being the guy to say, you'd be stupid to not take this deal. His mom is who made him fly out there. So without Mr. and Mrs. Jordan, nothing happens. I yeah. mean, think about if Michael Jordan, and you'll get this because we just finished Dave, but if he tried to pull a Dave, if you watch the show Dave, he it's Little Dicky, it's supposed to be the semi-autobiographical show, and he gets a record deal, and he's like sitting on it for no good reason. And he has this friend who's his manager, and he's like, "You're an idiot for not signing this." Like, think about it, Michael Jordan had that. Nike's offering him how much money, and all he like, has to do—two fifty
1: as do... a like rookie, which is crazy. Yeah,
0: it's ridiculous that the previous, the aforementioned commercial showed Magic, Larry Bird, Dr. J, and someone else. I forgot who it was. Those guys are like top of the game and everything. And this guy, granted, the rookie season that he had mm-hmm. ultimately ends up being beneficial for all parties involved. The they wanted to sell 3 million worth of shoes and they sell 12 million four times. the The projected value is good. And you don't need to be good at math to be able to tell that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would have been dumb. It really would have been dumb for him to think I want to wait it out for Adidas because, and it comes back to conversations we've had before of athletes in college and them trying to go out and get paid and all this stuff. The conversation that, that circled back around now with the new deal and the NCAA um, you know, it, it would have been crazy that a guy just because he wanted a brand so badly and then what ends up happening with the money value if that's how it happened? So thank God for Mr. and Mrs. Jordan. Yep. Now, we kind of yada yadas through the 92 season. Mm-hmm. We end up getting taken to the 92 finals and we get a lot of magic here. We got him in the shoe deal part. We get him with the 92 finals because he's on NBC, obviously. He makes the announcement. He's retired and then comes back in the summer, but is retired here working for NBC, and it compares him to Clyde Drexler, who we talked about with the draft. It was That's the reason why the Blazers passed on him is mm-hmm. because, quote-unquote, they had Clyde Drexler. So they don't mention an ad in the doc, but I, that's my, where my mind immediately went was that the GM came out and saying, this is why I didn't draft Michael Jordan. So hearing the media say it, was just another chip on the pile of Clyde Drexler. Yeah. The Clyde Drexler pile, pile on his shoulder. Um, but yeah, I thought... And we just see Michael Jordan take off against the Blazers.
1: Yeah, and then he had, Magic tells a story. He was, like, at his house the night before, like, playing cards or something. And he was just like, watch what I do to them tomorrow. Yeah.
0: Just... What? Michael so Jordan... threats.
1: He threatens people a lot.
0: Well, Michael Jordan just playing cards, playing golf with all these people that are like not on the Bulls. No. He plays he plays golf with numerous members of the Celtics in the mid-80s. He's playing cards with Magic Johnson. Like that cannot happen today. Yeah. Like and it said like of what would happen this year, uh, you know, everything with you know, with MJ and in social media of him going to Atlantic City, which we'll talk about in 6, but yeah, it's just nuts how this all ends up happening. And, like I mentioned, the yada yada... It,
1: the Bulls win. The
0: Bulls win, and... It's really
1: got, yada yada. Yeah, it's really thing. yada
0: yada. We got a little Jerry Krause here and all this, and...
1: Yeah, something interesting, I thought, is they have a interview with Jerry Krause, and he's still... Going back to, like, a theme in episode one, like, talking about the organization, how this is such a great organization that won, and he's like, the team is a great team, but the organization, like, it just goes back to the, like, organizations win championships kind of yeah. thing. It's just, like, a very through line about his whole, like, personality, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it, it's very, it's, Jerry Krause is, is mentioned a little bit more in that upcoming summer but it's, yeah, not really, he's featured very little here, which mm-hmm. I thought, you know, good that, that, that it's not just this complete pounding of Jerry Krause, of everything he did was so bad. And as we say that, we're about to talk about the 92 Olympics and Coach, but, you know, at least here with the, the championships, they're letting, you know, they're letting that breathe a little yeah. bit. But so we get to the 92 Olympics, and that's also a little yada yada of how the team came together. Especially given the, the main controversy of it of Isaiah Thomas. Um of how
1: Which is why I think they're lying.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's absolute bullshit that Michael Jordan's saying I never said his name. He's said it in an article. You you sent it to me, I read the article. I've read other ones that have basically been like, Come on, you said this to you said this to McCollum or McCallum.
1: Yeah, he wrote uh, a book on the dream team and yeah. basically like He's like directly quoted as I told Rod I don't want to play if Isaiah is on the team.
0: <laughs> it's funny reading articles that were written this week after that versus yeah. articles that were written in 2012 when the documentary came out and the complete different tone shift. It's a lot more pro MJ now, mm-hmm. and some are still questioning him. So it's not 100% pro, but it. it but it's really funny to see that mix of a night in 2012 because you got you got to remember in 2012 that team that went out there. After LeBron's first title, Carl Anthony Towns is on that team in the similar Christian Laettner role. So you already got a leg up on the, on the 12th guy on the team. <laughs> um, but you know there was the comparisons there, so I think that, that was the really interesting part. But the best part, showing of the 92 stuff, and we get to see a lot of in-game highlights. You get the Tony Kukoc, which we'll talk about. You get the, the flag and covering up the Reebok logo, which yeah. we'll talk about. This
1: part was so fun.
0: The practice. It's so the fun. The legendary... Monte Carlo practice. Yeah. And, I don't know, you talk about it.
1: So, it's, it's like you said, it's the practice. And in it, Magic's team is up by eight. And he says to Michael Jordan, if you don't turn into Air Jordan, we're going to blow you out. And then Jordan scores every time down the court. And there's just, like, there's a lot of footage. They're, like, yelling at each other about fouls and... Magic, like, throws the ball into the rafters. Like, they're, like, going at it on the court, and it's so fun to watch. And then the, like, fun is compounded when they tell the story about how, like, they get on the bus and everyone's silent. Because, like, they're all kind of heated from the practice. And um, Magic just says to, Car- to Charles Barkley, Charles, I guess we shouldn't have pissed them off then. Yeah. And then the whole bus just, like, goes off, and they... I'm pretty sure every single one of those guys, like, to this day, says that was the best practice of their lives. Like yeah. they had so much fun, like because you're with people on an equal a pretty equal, like, competitive level, like both in like being competitive and like level of skill. So like that's just fun for those kind for those guys to be around. To like be able to play like that with your friends.
0: Yeah, and if this is something that it's been talked about forever of this practice mm-hmm. and how this scrimmage is one of the greatest like five-on-five showings ever. Yeah. And it's just awesome to see. Um, yeah, it was, it was incredible. There's apparently more footage out there. There's a longer version of it on YouTube, and apparently that doesn't even cover everything that's shown. So make that a spinoff. I know yeah. they have these in-depth things. Make that a spin-off because that'd be incredible.
1: Yeah, like details the Monte Carlo practice. Yes.
0: So we do have a we have a couple questions. Oh good. This one comes from Jake, Jake Goldberg. Good buddy of mine. We need to get him on here. The original co host. Actually technically is not, but the original co host. He said, Can someone please explain how Shaq got left off the dream team for Christian Leitner? Which is covered in I Hate Christian Leitner, the 30 for 30.
1: I haven't seen it. Um, They talk about
0: the controversy of him getting picked. Basically, it it was that he's this recognizable name, even though Shaq fits the team a little better. Shaq is a center. He's pretty dominant. uh, and ends up being this high draft pick in in 92. And Leitner is this recognizable name. He won a couple national championships at Duke. But it was a very weird pick to have been seen. And they even show a clip in I Hate Christian Leitner of Shaq at the draft trying to address it. And Shaq, you can tell, is just pissed off beyond all hell. Well,
1: Shaq was the number one pick and Leitner was the third. Yes. Yeah.
0: yes. Who's number two? I do not know that. Me neither. Yeah. But so, that that's part of it. And,
1: Alonzo Mourning.
0: Oh, wow. I mean, solid one, too. <laughs> um, yeah, Shaq obviously turns out to be one of the greatest centers ever. And you can only imagine what ends up happening if he's on that team and you put him anywhere on the court, it'd just be incredible. Yeah. But yeah, to, to uh, short answer, Jake, I don't know. I don't know what the politics of it were. It's Rod Thorne. Yeah, Rod Thorne, who uh is the GM that drafted Jordan. And maybe there's something there of you know, he wanted to get the Duke guy in there. I don't, you know, I don't know. Um I don't want to be Adam Schefter and just make up an answer like he did about the Eagles drafting Jalen Hurts. What's your favorite story? Because it's ridiculous. We, we won't. Anyway, um, yeah. So, so we get Tony Kukoc, who is playing for Croatia. We get a lot of information about the Croatian Civil War, or really, mm-hmm. I guess the Yugoslavian Civil War, former U- Yugoslavia. It's very
1: interesting.
0: It is very interesting, and I knew a little bit about it because we've heard a little bit from Dario and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and. Bosnia. That's what
1: he did his like a breakfast presentation on. Yeah.
0: Um, but we we really get all the stuff about how his rights have been drafted by the Bulls. Jerry Krause loves this dude and this is where we get some heavy Jerry Krause bashing material. Uh-huh. Um, but basically Scotty's deal that was made so such a big deal on in episode 2 is brought up here that it's put on hold so that Ku coach can try to be swayed to come into Chicago. And nobody appreciated that. Mm-hmm. You even get Charles Barkley, who we get some great Barkley as a teammate moments in this. We get Barkley putting his arm around Michael Jordan saying, sometimes I, d- I dream that he is me, quoting the Be Like Mike commercial, mm-hmm. which we got in its full glory about 20 minutes later.
1: Barkley is like a real star of these episodes because... Both in this one with the Dream Team and then in the next one where we get that Suns final. Mm-hmm. Like, for people who only really, and myself included, like, I don't remember these games. Like, only... Oh,
0: you don't remember a game in, when you were two years old? No, I don't. Yeah.
1: I'm sure my dad watched it. Um, like, to, to really only know Barkley as, like, the guy, like the funny guy on TNT. Have you I never mean, seen his
0: highlight reel before?
1: I mean, I've seen it, but I've—it's just he's, he has a really good yeah. showing as, like, he was actually, like, a very dominant basketball player and not just, like, the funny guy with Shaq on TNT for people who, like, don't know.
0: There's a really good Barkley with the Sixers, like, package that's, like, kind of a mini documentary that I think, and formerly Comcast Sports Philly made, like, mm. when it was still Comcast Sports Philly, and the history of him on the team, and it is incredible, because Barkley as a Sixer and him leaving, for that matter, are all incredible. The story of him leaving and and wanting to get out of there and what the Sixers end up getting. is just a crazy period of Philadelphia 76ers history. And, I mean, Barkley, again, if you don't know what he was about and him just being that guy that says, you know, jump shooting teams can't win championships and basically sounding like this old relic who played physical basketball, go watch his tape. And I think a lot of people did here, but... Go watch the earlier Suns years. Go watch him play on, on the Sixers. All this different stuff. Because he was incredible. And I think that's probably something that gets kind of left by the wayside. Of how good he was because of the era he grew... he Not grew up in, but he played in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he you have that. You have him getting on camera saying... You know, Scottie Pippen deserves to get paid all the money in the world. I'm paraphrasing that. But still... Um and in the first game they play against Croatia, Kukoc puts up four points and he's mm-hmm. supposed to be this guy that can score at will and this great defensive player and he's getting completely torched by Scottie Pippen.
1: Yeah and well they <coughs> just it Michael says it before the game like leave him to me and P- me and Scotty mm-hmm. like don't you worry about him because they felt like. Jerry Krause had like put this other guy ahead of him. Like he's taking care of them before he's taking care of his own kids. And they don't know anything about him. Like yeah. they don't. I don't think that Michael knew like he's staying in Croatia because he wants to like be with his family in this war torn time. Like they know nothing about that. And yeah. Kukoc also knows nothing about what's going on in the Bulls that like Scotty's deal was put on hold for him and all of this stuff. So yeah, he he's has no not idea. expecting any animosity from them. Yeah. And so he's just like. I mean, someone says, like, he was scared. He was, like, a deer in headlights. Like, not expecting to get, like, demolished yeah. by these people who, like, ostensibly are his teammates.
0: Yeah, it's kind of wild. Because you even see, like, you see it now in in the Summer Olympics with basketball. You used to see it with hockey when they let NHL players go out there. But there is, like, there's a level of respect for mm-hmm. your own guys. Um, and, I mean, even in, and I'm thinking, like, Junior championships with like guys who've been drafted or uh, basketball is a little different because you you don't have your rights drafted you just go to the team or you, um, yeah or you just decide not to uh, and face some sort of penalty but like in hockey like your rights get drafted and you go to a junior tournament and like you could be a Flyers prospect on Team Canada playing against a Flyers prospect on Team USA but there is still some sort of like level of that an international competition at least now brings out a you know, more, I don't want to say more civilized game, but less physicality, less everything, you know. Um, so it is really interesting. And obviously this is the first time NBA players were even allowed over there. And yeah. There's barely any European influence in really any sport in, in the United States. So it is a very, its it really is a, this interesting inflection point. And, you know, kind of getting to the last point and... I had this thought, too, of Tony Kukoc later, but I feel like we'll get more of it in, in the next episode, mm-hmm. with especially once Jordan leaves. Uh, but I'll make the point when we get to Horace Grant. But the last point, Isaiah Thomas not being on the team. We mentioned it with Shaq, which isn't really addressed at all, but it doesn't really need to be. No. not in the, At least in the context of this documentary, but in the Dream Team it does. Isaiah Thomas not on the team. It's mentioned. Isaiah is quoted. Michael's talked talked about it. You mentioned that they're lying. We talked a little bit about the about the articles that are there. But yeah, he definitely said fuck fuck this guy and don't get him on the team.
1: Yeah, but I also do think that like it was true that not that the team wouldn't be as good, but the team wouldn't be this like mythical like fun like when you think of the dream team, you think of them like one dominating but also like them joking around with each other like all the stuff that we saw like in this documentary of like michael taking a picture with larry and magic and magic saying like oh can't get too close to michael i'm gonna get called for a foul michael's like dude you've got gotten called for a foul in a year and a half like what are you talking like you wouldn't get all that with like this like isaiah cloud there
0: yeah, and it's it's worth mentioning too that there's always been something about Isaiah Thomas. And, and
1: it's not just Michael that yeah. he had beef with; it was like all of them. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I think that's that's kind of what I was getting after. that there's always been something about him. And this is not meant to be a knock against the Pistons and the Bad Boy Pistons, mm-hmm. because I think you know what you I, I'm all for the level the level of intensity and physicality they played, and have the utmost respect for them. And you know them having some sort of chip about it. You know, go good. You know, I mean. You still had your back-to-backs. You did exactly what the '92 Bulls felt, and they mm-hmm. kind of talked about it at the beginning. We mentioned they really yada got yada it, got it, it. But that being said, if Michael Jordan doesn't go, which he outright said, according to a couple of different sources, does the does the lasting effect still happen for basketball? And I'm not sure it does. Yeah. No. Because I don't. I don't know if it's a domino effect if it's just Jordan and Pippen don't go and everybody else still gets convinced and Shaq ends up going because there's more space because basically the reason why they had a college player was they wanted to re- have that representation of, you know, Americana basketball there. But yeah, I don't I don't think yeah. I think eventually the the NBA gets the the global level it is. We're mentioning there's zero European influence there's zero Asian influence and I think the NBA getting over to China and you know the eastern part of the world is what's helped skyrocket it so high globally Mm. but we don't need to get into geopolitics but I think maybe it might take a step you know a couple step a couple more steps rather than the big leap that it took in 1992 maybe it's not until 90 you know 2000 2004
1: yeah, you
0: know, know, like and, LeBron. Yeah, LeBron was not. I don't think he was on the 0-4 team, the one that came in, th- I don't know, the one that lost.
1: <laughs> yeah. I
0: forget if they even came in third or not. I just remember Allen Iverson spiking the ball because because he was so pissed off they lost in Athens. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't. You know, maybe the the redeem team is what ends up doing it in 0-8, and like maybe 0-4 starts the conversation almost like whenever the U S golf team loses in in the Ryder Cup and they have to have these moments you know these panic moments of getting a task force together maybe that's ultimately what helps bring it back to the global point but
1: he was on the 04 team lebron, LeBron was it's yeah. funny when you google lebron james it comes up with like you know how like google does like the little blurbs it's yeah, just like yeah. lebron james game time decision <laughs>
0: like, that, that's really the
1: funny. whole world is a game time decision right um, now um
0: <laughs> that's really funny but yeah it's you know what it sucks because of how good Isaiah Thomas was and how late... His, like, it was his only shot, which yeah. sucks, but...
1: And it, you can tell, like, it still bugs him.
0: Oh, yeah, it would bug anybody. Yeah,
1: he's like, it's the only thing I don't have. Well, it's have. such a
0: plot point in... in a, eventually, we'll do Miracle the Movie, but... It's such a plot point in Miracle of her Brooks being left off in the 1960 team and why he's taking the 1980 team so serious. Uh-huh. I mean, anybody that that's happened to it's you know if you if you're the 26th guy on a baseball team or 27th now because there's 26 guys in the roster now, but if you're the last guy cut from anything, you're the you're pissed off that you were that close or you lost on a multi-bass don't, bouncing- don't shot. Don't! What could have happened? Um, <sighs> I'm, I'm sorry. But leave. let's talk about a happier moment.
1: <laughs> I was gonna be like...
0: The be like, Mike. Oh, well, like, we <laughs> wanted. we talked a little bit about it. Is there anything else need to be said about the flag over the Reebok logo?
1: No, just that he did it. it and it just goes to show like the synergy of his partnership with yeah, Nike. Yeah,
0: I, I was gonna say, I think that's, I think nowadays, you, you maybe you don't see that, especially because it's Polo that's sponsoring Team USA in the Olympics. I wonder
1: if that's like part why? Like, I don't. They, but they have warm ups. Like, who makes those warm ups? Polo.
0: I don't know. But it's pull at, at the ceremonies. That's who's wearing yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and maybe they're and maybe their their endorsements are still making the the equipment. I know that like that's what they do now for most things anyway. You know, the the jerseys are manufactured by a certain by a certain group, but like the undershirts are still made by their endorsement. Their shoes obviously yeah. are. Um, I mean. The the lasting impact that Jordan's had on the NBA just it helped completely tear open the the unilateral sponsorship. So I think like this is it. this is the the next step of it. And it kinda gets to that next point of of we first get the Be Like Mike commercial to have us all feeling all great and it's still one of the greatest commercials ever. But then we get the political side or really non political side of Michael Jordan, and this is probably the last Quarter of it of episode five.
1: Yeah, it was. It's like seven minutes. It's, was it? Yeah, last night you watched it today. You know better. It's just they go into there is an African American man like running as a liberal in North Carolina against yeah. like this like segregationist like
0: yeah this this pretty person. racist yeah pretty racist and fucked up dude.
1: Um, and I guess I don't I don't know even if he asked Michael for an endorsement, but I just think everyone expected him to give yeah. it and his mom wanted to give one or and he was just like i don't feel comfortable speaking out of turn about a person i don't know like he's never thought of himself as an activist thought of himself as a basketball player and this argument still goes on today oh yeah um but basically you know he admits it was probably a selfish decision but that's just where his energy was and i do think times were different then, like We've seen our athletes become a lot more political these days. I don't know that anyone really was then. And, you know, Muhammad Ali...
0: Muhammad Ali, yeah. Um, Which, it's funny because the OJ doc, the first episode, also addresses this. Of all the different black athletes in the, the 60s who were protesting Vietnam, and OJ was not one of them. And he said, I'm not black, I'm OJ. And Michael Jordan says, Republican buys shoes too. Which he says, you know, it was in jest that I said that. It wasn't meant to be this political statement. And all the stuff that he comes under fire for. And both of those guys, they had their brand. They weren't political. And, and obviously OJ is a completely different animal. Well, Michael Jordan, and this was pointed out on a couple podcasts I listened to. But he never tried to be, like, political at times when it was convenient and non-political when it wasn't. You have to yeah. respect him for that. And, you know, you mentioned people getting political now. It's and a lot of them, especially in in the wake of con of Colin Kaepernick, they've you know become more woke. And LeBron was woke before 2016. He obviously had the "I can't breathe" shirt on, mm-hmm. and it and to LeBron's credit, he's always been political. So it's it's not like LeBron got you know he protested some police brutality stuff and then went notably silent when things with Colin Ka- Kaepernick really rose up. He didn't really. And, you know, obviously he's been critical of the president and all that sort of stuff. And you know what? If you don't like him because of his political beliefs, that's fine. But you have to at least respect him for that.
1: Yeah. And I think that there's something to be said for at that time, you know, not, I, and I could be wrong, but I don't think a lot of athletes were getting political. So I think that there's a bit of apprehension to be And the, this, guy, the yeah. guy, the first one. like. Will so, yeah. I, Will so talk I talk
0: about Colin Ka- Kaepernick?
1: Yeah. Will yeah. I lose it all?
0: Yeah.
1: Um. He.
0: He did. did. Yeah, he did.
1: And like, I can see not wanting to risk that. You can call it cowardly. You can call it whatever you want. But I can see it.
0: Yeah. It, I mean, I think in the lens of 2020, it's easier to look back on it. And I, you know, we don't know. We were born in 1990. Yeah, and I don't really
1: know what the political climate. Was yeah, we like don't. In we 19- don't really know. Yeah, three. and
0: the, we don't know what it was like then. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll we'll move on from there and get into episode six because we're definitely not the people to be talking about that sort of stuff. No, but that's with, also
1: like going into episode six, like the first kind of like
0: yeah, it's the first the first crack of. Yeah. Michael Jordan is in this perfect, perfect person and I think that was the theme of the two episodes Was that there are these Athletes that we thought of So highly and we put them on pedestals That they were these incredible People and it's something that You even think about Of certain athletes That you Think of as these heroes and they weren't Totally that like there's Mickey Mantle who had a drinking problem And that's never really talked about her. And all this different stuff. And you can say what you want about, you know, if it's race stuff, if it's not race stuff. But we learn, but what we've learned, and I think especially, I think Michael Jordan helped this. Again, we were five and six when all this happened, of Michael Jordan taking the leave of absence. We can get into it if, if the theory is true or not. <sighs> um, but then, especially Tiger Woods is the one that we really got to see the bulk of it. Of these athletes that we think are these perfect machines aren't, and we get that in episode six. We have, as you as you have written in such great detail, Michael Jordan with a cigar laying on a couch, <laughs> wanting to watch TV with no one bothering
1: him. It's like my dream minus the cigar.
0: <laughs> really, should get you into cigars. No, but anyway, um, we get. We just get a lot of the into the lens of MJ in this episode. And I think that's great a lot of stuff that we kinda knew. I talked about it last week of the Michael Jordan loved to gamble, he loved to be that competitive, and this really talked about it. And they showed other golfers, they don't have the Keegan the Keegan interview I, I referenced. Mm-hmm. I think it was on SVP and Rosillo. So if you look at in like two thousand fourteen or fifteen, Google it and I think you can find the interview. But um yeah, we see MJ playing his quarter gambling game with the greatest security guard of all time.
1: Who recently passed away, so yeah. I want to say props to him.
0: Props to him. R.I.P.
1: Enjoying this from happening.
0: Yes, I hope you are. Um, and, hey, yeah, you pointed it out in, in your show notes of that he's this huge star, and he's hanging out with the security guards at the United Center. And when they're beating him, he goes... Pan, shouldn't you be guarding us? Like all this stuff. Like he has this personal <laughs> relationship. He's with like, them. security, come get the security. Yeah, yeah, like
1: But I think part of it is that they these are the people that like saw him every day, like and they're not treating him like Yeah. Michael Jordan. They're just treating him like this guy that they throw quarters against a wall with. Yeah, like, exactly. And I think that he probably craved some sense of normalcy because there's only a handful of people in the world that know what it's like to be, like, the most famous person in the world.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's perfectly put. And I mean, you can say, like, why didn't he he do that with Scotty or anybody on the team? He did, and we learned that very quickly, that he had these high-stakes games on the plane, and there were guys who didn't want to be out of house and hand-to-hand that played blackjack for a dollar, and when the card game broke up in the back of the plane, MJ came up. They said, Mike, no offense, but you're going to take us, you're going to send us to the poorhouse. He said, I don't care. I just want to be able to say I beat you.
1: Yeah. And he was like, You don't want to play with us. Like, we don't have, we're not playing for nothing. He's like, I just want your money in my pocket.
0: Yeah. I want to be able to say that. Yeah. Which he could have won $2. And it doesn't matter to him.
1: Which kind of goes along with later when we get into the gambling, he says, I don't have a gambling problem. I have a competition problem. Yeah. So, uh eh, maybe he's right.
0: So, we get into it with 98, and that the regular season ends, and again, a little yada yada but that's okay, uh, that they went from, we ended episode four at the All-Star break, they show the All-Star game, a game in March, and now all of a sudden it's the playoffs. They have 60 wins. Uh, Michael Jordan's drinking beers, he's having a good time, and the... Jordan Rules book. hmm Comes out. Was it in 1998 the book came out?
1: I believe so. Okay. I will look it up.
0: But anyway, this book becomes the point of controversy because there's a number of quotes that are from... No,
1: this is a 92 book. This yeah, is th- early. That's what
0: I thought. I thought it was 92. So
1: we've gone back in time. We've
0: gone back in time. But there's quotes, and it's believed that Horace Grant provided a lot of the quotes. Or Jordan thinks.
1: And Will Perdue says that it was Horace too. They both say it.
0: Yeah, so it's written by this guy, Sam Smith, who is shown in the previous episodes.
1: He seems delightful. Yeah. You can also get this book for free if you have a library card.
0: Wow. Like,
1: an ebook, like, to rent. But But oh. you don't need to, like, it's, like, on Libby. Like, oh, wow, all the that's time. cool. I have it on my Kindle.
0: That's fun. <laughs> fun um, fact. Very fun fact. But, so, it's brought up, and, and Horace is believed to it. He says it in the doc. He said it in an interview on Pardon My Take on Monday oh. of that. You know, he might have said stuff that was used, but a lot of guys said it. And it couldn't just, it couldn't be just him that provided enough material for this book. And, you know, Sam Smith talks about how he had this close relationship with Jordan. They play a lot of golf together. And then all of a sudden, he was cut off, which you kind of would have expected he would have been. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, I gotta believe that there was other people that he was pulling quotes from. It couldn't be just Horace Grant.
1: Yeah, and the interesting thing is there was an article that was written a few years ago, I think in the 25th anniversary of the book, so, mm. I don't... 90, 2007,
0: 17? 17, 17, I don't yeah. know.
1: But um, anyway. Well, that said that, like, this book was, like, almost like the original Woj bomb. Yeah. And that um, it, it kind of, like, the anecdotes in it, like, kind of were gotten off of that like post-practice like quick anger that like dissipates very quickly yeah. it's not like festering it's just like oh like i'm pissed off because of what he said at practice so like i'm saying something to the media here quick and like nowadays it would get like tweeted out and like get misconstrued but like it all just got like shoveled into this book to sure. make one explosive story where today we like get bits and pieces in like beat writing constantly and like tweets constantly yeah, yeah, yeah. so like I guess take it with a grain of salt, but at the time it was like a very big deal.
0: What I thought was so interesting is that they talk about Horace Grant and almost vilify him to this point that it's all his fault this book got written. But then they show highlights of Jordan and Pippin treating Horace Grant business as usual, which I tried to come up with with some sort of tweet of it of if this happened in today's day and age that somebody somebody said to LeBron, LeBron would have had him shipped off Within twelve minutes, uh, but but Horace Grant knew how to win, and he was a part of this team, and that was what was important to Michael Jordan. And I think again, we saw we see, we've seen this build up that that's all he cared about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He could say all this different stuff that might have pissed someone off enough to give a you know hot quote, if you will, after practice to a reporter, and they use it in this book or. In an article, or in today's day and age, in a tweet, that turns into something that you know makes it think that two guys hate each other. But that all being said, you know, business was business, and MJ knew that. And we get into the series against the Knicks in 1993. You know, the, the Bulls have won two in a row. They're trying to, you know, they're trying to get past you know get past the Knicks. This is like one of the better Knicks teams mm-hmm. ever with Which John is Starks. Viewing with Ewing and they end up going down 2-0 to the Knicks in New York. And that's probably one of the other crazy things too, that, that, you know, we've, we've, we've thought about it. And, and, and I remember like in 2015, that first Cavs team didn't get a one seed. It was mentioned, I think it was in 17, they didn't get one. Um, you know, when or maybe it was in 18, but it, it was a big deal that like, that, they weren't going after the one seed. And this you know I did not remember this that New York had home had home court advantage in the Eastern Conference Finals, but it's I mean, you know, it obviously you know, a, a connection between the two that look that Jordan didn't always have home court, it wasn't always dominant. You know, the second three people talk about in later weeks, but I just thought that was interesting here. Mm-hmm. So they go down, go down 2-0 and MJ's dad pulls him aside.
1: So he's going to go to Atlantic City.
0: Yeah. They went there for a few hours, gambled a little bit. They're home by twelve thirty,
1: According to Michael.
0: According to Michael. Which, you know, he also went to, a, to Las Vegas to get Dennis Brodman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, um, David Aldridge's backstory that he didn't show up in 1991... Uh, he said he was with his family, but he he was out gambling with Slim Bowler. Um, MJ was a witness in Slim Bowler's money laundering, and this is where we start getting into into the gambling stuff pretty pretty seriously.
1: Yeah. So, um, and then when he went to Atlantic City, there were like reports that he was out till two thirty. So they're asking him, and he was like, "I was not. Like this is dumb." And with the Slim Bowler stuff, one of the like I guess key pieces of evidence was like this, or something that they found in Discovery was like this $57,000 check from Michael Jordan and originally he had said it was like a loan but then when he was on the stand he admitted that it was a gambling loss that he was paying back then there was like the Eskenis book called Michael and Me Our Gambling Addiction which is just like, and then it's like dot 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 and my cry for help which is just like, it just it reminds me of one of those like self published ebooks on the Amazon yeah. store. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it just reminded me of it. Um, and the book said that Michael owed him more than one point two million dollars. But it should be stated that like in the interviews at that time with Skiness, like he said like it was only on like golf and cards. Like he never bet on a game, he never bet on anything like that there is like a little bit of
0: yeah him saying he bet on himself had me being like whoa but if it's only on cards and and golf that's one thing but
1: there is another story i was reading that like at that time in an interview there's like an infamous phone call and this kind of goes into the the retirement if we want to get the into conspiracy that theory yeah that michael there's like a someone overheard michael saying like so the line's minus seven and, but that's, like, the only, like, potential evidence of him betting on games.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so, so, David Stern says he never thought it reached, reached epic crisis levels, so.
1: Because in all honesty, if Michael Jordan is betting 57000 that's, like, us betting, like, $5.70.
0: Yeah, which is what he ends up saying. $10,000 yeah. to him is, like, 10 bucks. And he mentioned that Connie Chung interview where she's really trying to lead him. <laughs> Um, you know, that he does not have a gambling problem, he has a competition problem, stops talking to the media during that series, and the Wolves end up coming back.
1: She says the funniest thing, where she's like, could it be said that you're not gambling with money, but you're gambling with your reputation? Yeah,
0: classic 90s. (laughs) Classic 90s interviews. It's great. But yeah, do you want to talk about the conspiracy theory, should we acknowledge it? Because it is... We
1: can talk about it. I just don't know if it's going to come up in the next episode. I don't really think it is. Yeah,
0: I don't, I, I don't think it is Michael either. got by
1: and will say, I don't think it's coming up. So yeah.
0: talk about it no. Unless he really wanted to lean into it and be like, yeah, maybe he did. But, like, there's David Stern clips of him saying, like, no, it never got this bad. So I think, like, that might be them, like, putting a wink at, like, hey, we know what you guys all think, but... We got David Stern, we got this David Stern quote to put the, put the kibosh on it.
1: Yeah. So what do you think? Do you think he did? Or do you think he refused? No,
0: I don't, I don't think he was, I don't think he had, he got suspended instead of retiring. I don't know. Oh, all right.
1: <laughs> well, it's just so weird. And also, like, didn't in in his retirement speech, he was like, you know, if I get the itch again, if Stern lets me back in the league, like, why would Stern have to let him back in the league if he was just retiring for nothing?
0: It's a fair question.
1: It's just crazy. That, but, like, this reminded me, like, I, you know, like, in Hamilton, like, the room where it happened, like, you yeah. don't know unless you were in the room, like, who else was in the room? Yeah. There's been no leaks on this. It's all just freaking, like, conspiracy theories. Like, yep. I want to be in the room where it happened, and I want to know. Yeah. But I don't.
0: There's a lot of crazy, crazy things out there. You could, we could do an entire podcast on that.
1: Conspiracies with Emily and Jordy coming this fall on the bullpen card.
0: Maybe. 93 finals. The Bulls versus the Suns. You mentioned it. They beat it. the Knicks. They beat the, yeah, we already said they beat the Knicks. They came back. We got a Sue Bird little side story of her being a Knicks fan.
1: Which is nice, but, like, also not my favorite celeb cameo, because she was just trying to be a Knicks fan, and I was like, stop, Super.
0: Why, because she plays for Seattle?
1: No, I just, she was like, my favorite Bulls memory is when John Starks dunked on Jordan, and I was like, that's not a Bulls memory, which she admits, but I'm just like, come on, give me a good one. Like She's had to have met Jordan, like, come on.
0: Yeah, that would have been cool. If you had, like, a personal story with she her. She definitely
1: has. She's yeah. super.
0: But anyway, so the 93 Finals. MJ breaks his silence, talks to on Rasad,
1: In sunglasses. In sunglasses, <laughs> yes.
0: In sunglasses. I forgot that happened. Um, it's against Charles Barkley. You mentioned he becomes the star here. We'll talk about that in a second. Barkley had won MVP. Been... I don't know when the NBA Awards were getting announced then. Yeah. Because they were getting announced... You know, relatively around the finals, like, before they started doing that weird award show. (laughs) Um, Which, the NHL does it, too, and I find that also weird. I don't know why we need to do an award show. I like it. Yeah. Even the NFL honors. Just, okay. But
1: I like anything the NBA does.
0: (laughs) But anyway. um, So, we go in against the sun. and, yeah, against the Sun. Humans versus the Sun. <laughs> Going against the Suns. And we get some Jerry Krause news.
1: Yeah. That he. How do you say this guy's name? Like, Meyerly? Meyerly?
0: That's why I wanted to throw it to you. Oh, I think it's Meyerly. Yeah, like, May- May- I think it's Meyerly.
1: Meyerly, yeah. So he played for the Suns, and he. Like, Jordan knew that Krause thought he was a great defensive player, so. Going back to Jordan versus Krause, he took it upon himself to prove that he was not a great defensive player and just, like, dunked on him the whole time. (laughs) Basically. So, the Bulls win game one. In game two, Charles, like, had an amazing game, but Jordan outplayed him and Barkley says, like, this is the first time in my career where I felt like I wasn't the greatest basketball player on earth.
0: which quote.
1: Yeah, it really is. Yeah. One, it goes to show, like, the confidence that is required to be a professional basketball player. Not that, I mean, Charles was one of, like, the best professional basketball players. Like, I don't know that T.J. McConnell plays and is like, I am the greatest basketball player on Reggie the planet. Reggie Jackson
0: thinks he is. Remember when he went to the, remember his quotes when he went to the Pistons? I don't. Oh, they were, they were like, similar to that <laughs> level of, like, I can take this team to the NBA Finals. And he got paid, like, a butt ton of money by the pistons and then they got Blake Griffin. He's like see I'm getting stars.
1: <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. But I mean you got to be confident, I guess. Yeah. Um so then in game 3, the game went into 3, o- three OT and Barkley just like refused to let the Suns lose, so we are at 2-1 Bulls. Yep. In g- game 4, the Bulls win again, so it's one. Yep. But there's just, it's just so funny to see Danny Ainge was on the Suns team and it's just so funny to see like the GM of the Celtics who I think is like the GM had, of the Celtics. Like, he had
0: like classic white guy hair.
1: Yeah. Like, just, but, like, like he
0: doesn't have like a buzz cut like the Chris Mullen crew cut. Yeah. He just has like the flop going.
1: Yeah like your hair.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or my current Corona hair. And um, it's just
1: like so funny to see him like going like one-on-one versus Michael Jordan and I'm just like, Danny, Andrew, you, Danny, sit down. Yeah. Like, you're being silly. It's really funny
0: hearing like the players like Kevin McHale or like Doc Rivers yeah. or like all these different players are like, you don't actually play. <laughs> yeah. When you watch old highlights. Um, but then the greatest moment of the documentary so far. <laughs> it's either, it's either the security guard doing the shrug at the beginning. This
1: is a lot of great moments but like don't, the, don't discount like the great like they baby bitches line. Oh yeah, other yeah ones. from Horse
0: Cream. So. Um who he he admitted on the part in my take interview that if he had known how they would have re- how they were gonna take how they were gonna come off of the documentary, he wouldn't have said it. It would have said like, Oh, they were crybabies is what he would have added himself to be. It
1: came out great. It Everyone out loved it.
0: But we get a kid yelling, Don't take it personal, Charles
1: <laughs> And it's just like a classic nineties kid.
0: Or me in the second in the upper bowl of the Wells Fargo Center.
1: Yes. And he as a sign. It's great. Oh,
0: this is hysterical.
1: So, we go to game 5, go back to Chicago. No, still in Chicago. Oh, still in Chicago. It's 3-2. Oh, right. It's 2-3-2. Two, two. Right, right,
0: right.
1: Um, and Chicago is like convinced they've got this thing locked up like the walls, the the windows are boarded up in the city.
0: It's funny they go no one's ever come back from 3-1 or like someone will. Yes, <laughs> <Just>, you will. <wait. laughs>
1: um, yeah, so, like, the windows are boarded up. They're, like, preparing for, like, an Eagle Super Bowl-style massacre. And the Suns win. And after the game, a reporter reporter asked Barkley, like, Do you have anything to say to the city of Chicago? And he says, Take that shit off the windows. You don't need it tonight.
0: Take that shit off the windows. <laughs> you don't need it tonight.
1: You can work on your bark.
0: I could work on it. That's terrible.
1: That There you go.
0: That's terrible.
1: <laughs> so then we game six to go back to Phoenix, and Jordan asks Phil if, like, he can have a meeting with the team, and he tells them, like, I'm only bringing one suit. I'm only going to Phoenix to play one game. Like, I don't know about you, but, like, I'm only bringing one suit. Yeah. So, I feel like when Michael has, like, resound his, the, to the fact that, like, he's only playing one game, they're only playing one game, and in fact, they only played one game, because the Bulls won, and
0: that's the first beat. It's the first three peat. Yeah. Not the first ever in NBA history. No. But their
1: first three peat. Their
0: first three peat. John Paxson hits the game winner.
1: And it's it's very nice. Which I should have researched this before, but I guess John Paxson is like the executive VP of player personnel for the Bulls at the moment.
0: Uh, I think he got fired, didn't he?
1: Did he? Well pretty sure he got fired. At the time of yeah. filming because he films all of his stuff in like that very nice Bulls room. Yeah. Okay, he has been, and he yeah. was a GM. But anyway, at the time of the filming, I'm pretty sure he still was, because he's in the Bulls' fancy room.
0: Yeah, he, he resigned, like, three weeks ago. Oh,
1: how did I not see that?
0: Well, they had all that, like, crazy shit with their, with their shuffling of their... Oh, Mark Eversley's there now. Yeah, exactly. They had the, yeah, the yeah. Nuggets guy. Um, He's
1: a Sixers guy.
0: Well, and they hired the Nuggets guy right before Eversley. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Um, That was, like, the first step, and then they fired their GM. But yeah, so it's.
1: But what I, oh what I was saying was Paxton hits that game winning shot, and you can tell in his interview when he's talking about it, like it still affects him. Like what a special moment that was. Like the ball was not supposed to come to him, but he was ready for it. And like,
0: yeah, it's not supposed to come. He, to says, it. <laughs> he says he says yeah. he says
1: he goes, the ball is not supposed to come to me. But as a player, you're always ready. It's
0: like the end of D three where Goldberg gets the puck. No, I've not seen that. Oh, Emily, we need. You... I've never that's gonna be even a real seen sport. The Ducks. That's that's a real sports we're doing. You and Joe Martin, okay. We're watching Mighty Ducks one, two, and three. Oh, we could skip three. You might need to see it, but <laughs> it's it's not as good as the first two. Okay. Everybody agrees on that. They go to boarding school after winning the Junior Goodwill Games in D two. They go to boarding school and on JV.
1: Mm.
0: Not a great concept. Anyways. But anyway, anything else on on episode six before we
1: um just like leading into episode seven, it it kind of like starts to lead into the retirement, saying like physically I was burned out, but mentally I was way past burned out. He like has is in his car, his red twenty three Range Rover with the <laughs> Mad Rashad saying like you know I don't want to leave this game when you have to like carry me off the court. Like I want to leave the game two years. Before, like, my skills tell me I w- I'm i going to leave the game. So, all of these, like, retirement things are starting to, like, swirl in his head. Which could be because the commissioner told him, you need to leave because we're suspending you. <laughs> but we'll never know. I like
0: conspiracy theory, Emily. <laughs> this is fun.
1: I'm just saying, at this point, his fa- like the- his father has not been murdered, so, like... but he's already talking these things because he potentially has had these meetings with the commissioner.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
1: Right? Am I I wrong? I don't know. Well, his his father has not been murdered at this point. You're
0: right. He hasn't been murdered. Right. That being said, we'll find out more next week. When his dad gets murdered on the show! I
1: feel like you're acting like I'm missing something, but I don't think I am. I don't think
0: you are either. I was just trying to say, I like... I was trying to end it on that before we move to Greg's questions. Oh we,
1: okay. But yeah, that's the end.
0: Yes, yeah, so that's the end of episode six. So we do have two questions from Greg. Okay. You know, the great the great Greg Piatelli. He has two questions, both off the same idea. The first is How many other NBA players have come out of Scottie Pippin's college and Dennis Rodman's college? It's funny, he was limited to a number of characters. <laughs> so he wrote Dennis Coll. <laughs> uh, and then his other question is why are there no why are there no longer hidden gem players from small schools? In, in this case, Nia schools. Um, I looked it up.
1: Does CJ not count as a hidden gem player from a small school?
0: <laughs> uh, your words, not mine. But yes, we're you know fairly small school, not like the college in Easton that is the smallest full Division one school. Uh, but the but where. Dennis Rodman went to college, Southeastern Oklahoma State University. It does have a number of notable alumni, Mm -hmm. um, including a a bunch of former governors. Uh, Most of their athletes, though, are MLE players. They do have a couple basketball players. They also had Crystal Robinson, who is Dennis Rodman's sister. But you know who else went there? Who? Reba. Huh. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, so that's a fun fact. Um. so that's Dennis Radman's college and then the University of Central Arkansas where Scottie Pippen went um yeah a lot of NFL players at this one um no basketball players just Scottie Pippen uh there's a bunch of coaches that went that went there um and then yeah a couple governors uh Mike Norvell the head football coach of Florida State went there um Yeah, and that's really about it. Um, Although I feel like I should know Gil Gerard. It seems like a name that I I should know of actors. Uh, But yeah, that's about it, Greg. And to answer your questions about small schools and basketball, I feel like it's probably something to do with either AAU or, you know, what the documentary The Scheme is about. Yeah. Yeah, of just boosters and brands kind of sending players to bigger schools and all that and, and all the thought of that. I feel like it's probably the answer cuz you're because you even asking about CJ or Damian Lillard or you know all these other players that have gone to small, you know, smaller mid major schools. You know, they they're guys who they're, they graduated high school in 08 09 um, but really I don't know. I mean Dayton had some pretty solid players this year, and that's a smaller school. So I I don't know how small Greg is looking for because, again, those two schools are NAIA schools, not NCAA schools. But, yeah, to answer your question, it's probably something to do with the AAU circuit and guys getting to know each other, the top players, and deciding we want to all go to Kentucky, we all want to go to Duke, we all want to go to UNC... Wherever, is pro- that's probably what the, the answer is.
1: Yeah. Patty Mills. I'm just like... I found like a random website. Like it's top eight current NBA players from small schools. <laughs> Patty Mills went to a very small school. He went to St. Mary's in Moraga, California.
0: Apparently the winner of the eighth season of American Idol went to the University of Central Arkansas.
1: Oh, who's Cr- that?
0: Chris Allen with a K.
1: Oh, I know who that guy is. I watched American Idol still then.
0: Yeah.
1: Um... I mean, their basketball stadium only holds 3,500 people, so I imagine it's a very small school. Um, other people on this list, Dame Lillard. Weaver State is not that small, to be honest. Uh, Gary Neal went to LaSalle, but then mm. he was dismissed after a sexual You're like, assault allegation. Do you
0: consider Villanova to be a small school? No. It's a it's a fairly small college, but it's a college.
1: basketball yeah.
0: school. but like I know I mean I'm being literal on it, but
1: Northeastern, Western Carolina, um, yeah, and like I mean Davidson's not a small school. I would say Patty Mills and St. Mary's, yeah, is the smallest that I find Deli at went. the moment. What?
0: It's where Delhi went. I'm pretty sure.
1: Where St. Mary's?
0: Pretty sure he went to St. Mary's. That's wild. Um, yeah, I don't think he's a Gonzaga guy. Um,
1: Notable alumni. Mahershala Ali also on to St. Mary's.
0: Oh, this is fun. <laughs>
1: Let's see, anyway, oh Delhi did go there. Yeah, How did you thought,
0: know that? Uh, I'm pretty sure you talked about it because they have like a whole. Because I'm pretty it's sure it's like an Saint Australian, Mary's, yeah, it has, like, it's like an Australian pipeline. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I remember reading that somewhere, but um, yeah, I think that's gonna do it, Emily. Before we really get into yeah. Wikipedia, and they have no other schools,
1: other like real notable alumni that I would like to share with the listeners. But they only have 3,700 students in the fall of 2018 and 2,600 undergrads. So it's a very small school.
0: Yeah, tiny school. Okay. But I think that's going to do it.
1: Yeah, I don't have any fun facts. Um, yeah, but I'm going to leave you with, if you want, I would recommend the Ramona Shelburne article about Kobe and Michael's friendship. I thought it was very interesting and really like shed some light on their friendship, if that's something that interests you. And that's all I've got.
0: Yeah, so everybody make sure to... Subscribe to the podcast. We are going to do, you know, the rest of The the Last Dance, more of the sports docs, 30 for 30s.
1: And conspiracies coming this fall.
0: Yeah, probably. Uh, We're going to be doing a baseball show soon, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, you're not. (laughs) But good friend of the program, Seth, and a new guest. Are you going to
1: watch the Korean Baseball League or the Japanese Baseball League?
0: Yeah, I'm not staying up until 1 o'clock. It was on today
1: at like 1 in the afternoon.
0: Yeah, it's probably a replay from 1 a.m. No. You... Actually, I don't know how far ahead they are, but I know that they're that far east that it's more than 12 hours. So it's probably like the wee hours of the morning at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Anyway, I'll watch highlights, but I'm pretty sure they're like going live at 1 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, I'm happy that there are live sports somewhere in the world. Yeah. Hopefully, we figure some shit out in America with tests and all that so that we can get live sports here. But... Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. We're going to be covering a bunch of stuff. The Bullpen Card on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. ThunderBLG is the Thunderblog. Third and girl underscores on both sides of the and for Emily. Jord09 for me. Join the Bullpen Card Facebook group. Search the Bullpen Card Podcast. Be a part of the conversation. Emily, thank you as always.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me. Sorry, I was reading an article about how Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan aren't friends anymore.
0: Oh, that's fun. Do you want to do you want to share the uh No. Do you want to spill the tea?
1: It's just Jordan doesn't Barkley said something about how negative about how he ran the at the time the Bobcats. Ah. And so they haven't talked in a while and Barkley does isn't optimistic about a reconciliation. Um that's not fun. and he compared his riff with Jordan to one he has with the current Sixers star. <laughs>
0: Well, that's interesting.
1: Joel Embiid hates me because I call him lazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, he did say that. I know. All right. Well, that's a good that's a good jumping off point. We will talk to you guys later. Have a great week. We'll talk to you. I think this weekend with a baseball show.
1: Go Sixers! Woo!